Who got more spirit than the liquor store? This ATL against an Iron Man with a liquid sword. So if we chess box, and I'ma need a bigger board. Black and white tiles like it's Masonic temple floors. Motherfuckers need to listen more. That was a triple score by my second bar. I had them insecure when women hear my voice. It hits they in the court like in the course. They stripping more than Demi more for me to say this dick is yours. Even had a couple tell me they would get divorced. Turned me off like tripping over power strip extension cords. This shit the dog. Hey, 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 they been had a travel ban on these niggas from Atlanta stand. They soldiers pull us over like we in the Taliban. Not packy, but the SWAT's like SWAT Valley when they approaching your box caddy with the Glock handy. I seen people doing time over pop baggies. Distribution charges on top of they rock candy. And it don't mean shit just because the cops snappy. Listen, boy, they send you to prison to rock gladly. I'm a pillar in my community who still walk around like a killer with immunity. But no sinner has impunity. I'm the proof like liquor, nigga, there's no diluting me. Hey, it's your brain off a golden grain. Toxin double up about the tracks when you see me train spotting. Everybody don't subscribe, but you see they stay watching. Fuck your name dropping, that's for you lames who ain't popping. The homie Chris said my style growing in dog years. If you tick me off, you better flee when I draw near. When money talks, I'm like a cornfield, boy, I'm all ears. Sure to be the last one standing when this fall clears, yeah. Yes, 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 what's up everybody, welcome back to the Houseless Podcast, I'm Peter Gosson, your host, thank you for tuning in, recording this live in Brooklyn, New York, on Daylight Savings Time, you know what I'm saying, thank you guys so much, we have a great episode for you today, great conversation with a good dude from Atlanta, my man, Yamin Somali, uh, before we had this conversation, I always kind of knew him as Amdex, producer DJ from the Vinyl Junkie crew, uh, BJCs. Uh, And if you might not be familiar with them, you know, it's like a collective of guys sort of split between Los Angeles and Atlanta for the most part, who I've known for a long, long time. If you guys know uh, my record label or my pseudo semi-defunct label, Female Fun Records, um... You know, I uh, did a couple compilations that had uh, a great MC, a great lyricist and uh, writer by the name of Some Kid on those. And that was my introduction to that group. So shouts to Some Kid, uh, an amazing slept on rapper, writer. And through him, I met all the guys in that group. So it's kind of this, uh, it's an interesting East Coast, West Coast kind of group of guys they did one album called strange arrangement they came out in the kind of mid early to mid 2000s that's on itunes i saw it's on itunes you should check it out it's a great like ensemble type of hip-hop album so um yamin though had been coming through new york city where we recorded this here in brooklyn at my crib uh and he had just gotten off a tour in europe uh really his debut european tour opening up for cunning linguists and he was uh, basically holding down the whole show djing opening up rhyming as first to three and djing for all the acts on the bill so we talk about a lot of stuff we talk about atlanta we talk about the vinyl junkies we talk about his tour his solo career i open uh and i will close with joints of a brand new uh record he just put out 
called the Hot EP, or as I like to refer it, the Hotep. And uh, you can find that on Bandcamp right now. In fact, if you check it out, uh, I would put it as, uh, yeah, yaminsomali.bandcamp.com. So Y-A-M-I-N-S-E-M-A-L-I. If you didn't already be able to read that from uh, uh, this actual episode text. But check it out. It's dope. It's brand new. So I initially knew him mostly as a producer and a DJ. And then he uh, also was rhyming and would become now more and more uh, known as a as a rapper, as an MC. So anyway, we talk about a lot of that stuff. I don't want to get too far into describing it for you guys. Um, I like to think that if you've never heard of, of him before, uh, this will be a nice treat and a great introduction to a new artist that's been kind of on the scene in Atlanta for a long time. He lived in LA for a minute. Um, so be a cool introduction to someone that's kind of been doing it for a while, but at the same time, still kind of bubbling up from the underground and absolutely worth your time. He had a duo for a long time too called clandestine that uh, made some great records, um, in the earlier two thousands, mid two thousands. So all worth checking out, just like checking out the houses podcast. So here's the deal. If this is your first time listening, I got to say some of this stuff. Uh, thank you first for tuning in. Uh, second, you know, if you enjoy this uh, and, and these episodes that I produce, um, please, by all means, spread the word, uh, tell a friend and copy and paste the link. You can post it on Facebook, wherever I'm at. Um, twi- I'm on Twitter as far as social media goes specifically for this podcast at Houseless Pod. You can also find the podcast on SoundCloud, the Stitcher app, Google Play, and of course, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, rate it, leave a comment, all that stuff. Um, Some episodes, I don't promote it as much. Some episodes, I do. I like to think that uh, I need to be a little more proactive about it just because I want to get the word out, you know what I'm saying? And I think that I, I keep trying to mix up the episodes as far as the type of people I talk to, both regionally and hopefully genre wise or sub genre wise. And if you know me, Peter Agostin, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time. I had a record label for many years. In fact, very recently, I re-released an album by Prince Paul, the legendary producer, of course, of De La Soul, Grave Diggers, Handsome Boy Modeling School, Stesasonic, called It's True Mental, which just dropped uh, last month on a very limited piece of vinyl, which you can cop now and get it at Turntable Lab or Fat Beats, wherever you buy vinyl. If your uh, local physical brick and mortar record store doesn't carry it, tell them to. So, yo, I want that Prince Paul. So, anyway, uh, I'll plug, you know, I don't want to plug too much shit. Um, But I will say this, you know, I do this for the love. It's a free thing. There's no Patreon yet. I don't have anything kind of set up like that. Although, I'm getting, venturing closer and closer to that. Because I do need, this is a listener-supported podcast radio. You know what I'm saying? So, Um, I don't have someone to bankroll this. Uh, I'm not working out of a studio. You can obviously hear the cars driving by on the street. I'm doing this in the living room, the same place that I recorded this interview, the same microphone I'm doing both of these on. So just a little context for you as we jump into this conversation. Every episode is edited and engineered by my man, CJ Stewart out in California. So shout out to him. Shouts to the whole Vinyl Junkie crew. Um, and yeah, what else can I say, man? Let's just jump right into this conversation with, with my man, Amdex. I'm not, I'm not putting him on blast, but 
better known to y'all as Yamin Somali here on the Houseless Podcast. Check it out, y'all. Peace. Um, is what I do. I mean, it's pretty casual. Although, and we can just jump right into it as well. Okay. Although, uh, occasionally you might need to lean in a little bit, but I will be like this. All right. So, <laughs> All right. um, so, yeah, I mean, I was trying to think of like a good way to to jump into this too, because one, I haven't seen you in a really long time. A long time. Um, and probably, if I'm not mistaken, it's probably well over 10 years. I would think, yeah, because I came up for CMJ oh, right. in like 05. Okay. So that might have been the very last time. And uh, I remember a flyer. Was it? It wasn't a nobody hole party, was it? Oh, you know what? No, I no, but I. If I'm not mistaken, I know exactly what show you're talking about, mm-hmm. which was an early. It was CMJ before it really started. Anyone did anything in Brooklyn because mm-hmm. it was Sums party, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, right? Yep. Which was, uh, was uh, I forgot the name of the bar. Mecca or, no, not Mecca. Was that a place that definitely no longer exists? It had a patio in the back. In yeah. the back. I remember uh, Tyson Beckford showed up. Exactly. You remember that? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, because <laughs> at that time, very randomly, me and his brother were got cool. We had like mutual friends, and his brother worked at either. Bo- I'm pretty sure it was Bombay Sapphire. He was like a rep for uh, Bombay Sapphire yeah. Gin, and um, and he because uh, I think I was I don't know if I was working at the knitting factory yet, but I was doing some parties. And and I don't even remember how we met, but he was always like, if you ever have a party, let me know. I'll bring some cases of gin to the party and shit. And I was like, sure. Uh, my buddy's got one coming up for CMJ, you know. And uh, and I think I was even like, yo, man, if you if you think you can get your brother to come to this party. That's which, how that happened. Huh? Exactly. It was like a very, like, matter-of-fact thing. And looking back at it, I mean, it was like a basically like a little bar yeah you know was that was that billy bird yeah it was in williamsburg yeah yeah. it was on like north um seventh and wife at a place that has turned over a couple of times this is like a long narrow bar and i remember it was yeah like vinyl junkie maybe it was a nobody hole party which is some kids with some kids Mm -hmm. album or thing Mm mm-hmm I think Dulio, my buddy Dulio from Connecticut, I think he DJed or he was on the bill. Mm-hmm. And I, I now, rem- I va- vaguely remember it, but I definitely remember Tyson Beckford just yeah. like <laughs> hanging out. And of course, you know, every woman in the place uh, gravitated immediately <laughs> to him. Yeah. It's a kind of an anomaly that he would just be at this party. Yeah, too, it, it, I looked up from the decks and I was just like, that's Tyson, man. It's <laughs> yeah. a New York moment, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then obviously a lot has happened since that point in time, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. one, New York has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the time even before that was when I saw you in California. If, I'm not, if you came up to Humboldt. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, did I? I don't know. I don't know if I made that trip, man. That because, might... well, uh, the only reason why I asked that, too, mm-hmm. and uh, was that there's a music video for Strange Arrangement. Yeah. Which, because there's different stuff. It's there. A, it was a hodgepodge of footage because okay. we really didn't shoot a video. It was just like footage of us at random points. Right. It was like there's some road trip type stuff in yeah. there. And some of it I know was part of that trip that to Humboldt. Humboldt. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't on that land. Okay. Gotcha. I, I did. That's why, okay, now I understand where that came from. Um, I rarely even make it up. That's like Northern California, right? Yeah. It was like five hours, four or five hours north of San Francisco. Yeah. I've only been to like Mendocino and. 
and Eureka and stuff. Right. It's it's uh, well, Eureka, uh, where our show was at, was in Eureka. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, totally. That was like recent. That was like 2011 or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was doing some trimming with a guy. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, you know, you know how you go there. <laughs> Absolutely. I, well, I lived there for five years, so I know that world all too oh, well. Yeah, for sure. We'll leave names out, but I'm sure you yeah. know some of the some of the same oh, folks, sure. probably, man. Just because it's like, yeah, real community. Yeah. But um, boy, man, yeah, that 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 was all. If, if you saw me in that video, it was all from like Kenneth Hahn Park, and it was all LA stuff, right? And um, that so was, did you did you live there? Did you actually live there for a while? Yeah, I lived there in '06 to '07. And okay. um, it was a stint, you know. I was really kind of concerned about me and DT had just finished our first album. We had a distribution deal with Domination. And shout out to DJ Fisher. Right, like, DJ Fisher, who right. I know very well, too, from that period of time as yeah, well. Yeah, man. Um, that so was, for people that don't know, that group was clandestine. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was me and DT. It was like the duo, the two youngest dudes and the Vinyl Junkies. And, you know, kind of like F the World, ATL rap. But, you know. A lot of stuff that we did is kind of like what people do now as far as like production styles with just like a lot of hi-hats and shit. <laughs> but, right. but we was rapping, you know, we didn't do it on every track either, but um, it was just real, it was young. We was really figuring stuff out. Yeah, no, I want to talk about that group a little bit too, because, uh, uh, but, but kind of going back first. So you cool. were so you were in LA during that kind of general period of time. Yeah, yeah. Me and DT met in 03. Um at Morehouse. I didn't go to Morehouse, but I used to DJ at Morehouse. Okay. And um, a brief aside about that, I used to DJ at this thing called Underground Live. Uh-huh. And um, friends of mine were took it over. But when I was just on coming off this last tour with Cunning Linguist, I found out that Sean King, who's like really big now in like social media and the social justice world, and Deacon from Cunning Linguist, they actually started that shit. And I didn't even Interesting. know that. I had no clue. And um, so I really learned a piece of the puzzle of how I even ended up DJing at Morehouse, but Felix from the Vinyl Junkies was the RA of the dorm area where DT came in as a freshman. Cool. And he was like, man, you guys, you know, you guys will hit it off because he, you know, he makes beats, he raps, he's a young dude, a lot of, lot of, lot of spirit. And we met and that was kind of how everything jumped off. Me and Felix were um, roommates and we had just cut up some vinyl. You remember that, the Vinyl Junkies little EP we put out yep. with uh, Thinking About by Pudge and um, moved to the like damn rock damn I'm like showing my age like forgetting song titles and shit but it was like uh, three or four songs from the Vinyl Junkies Some Kid Me X-Ro Pudge Mario X-Man mm-hmm. and um, yeah that's kind of how it all started just kind of cutting our teeth at the same time right so that's I guess essentially that was what I was trying to get to was the really the origin of, yeah because mm-hmm. that's really how I know you yeah. really from that mm-hmm. and I mean the first person I really met out of that was some, some yeah, yeah. yeah. It was kind of like, uh, you know, I guess maybe the first one to I essentially do like a solo album or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. the little folk. Uh, right. He, you know, he was making rounds. He worked at Frank Magazine, and oh, right. He was meeting a lot of people. He was the one that was like more branching out. Because I guess, you know, the Vinyl Junkie started in L.A. in like 96. Oh, so it didn't start in Atlanta. No, it started in Cali um, with X-Row and um, DJ Rare Groove. And, um, you know, there was like a lot of people who came out of like the good life and um project blow yeah that, that was all their scene and like double k from people under the stairs and yeah. shit like they all went to high school together and you know they went to college in, in atlanta at the auc so felix was at morehouse x row was at morris brown uh, some you know he was at morehouse as well and they all kind of clicked up there 
I kind of came into the fold because I just started DJing in 99. I was 15. And I saw a flyer for um, a thing where you can come out and DJ at this park, which I live right down the street from now, called Adams Park. And that's where I met everybody. And uh, that was my first time DJing outside the house. So I just was kind of looking for, you know, some 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 community because I was like always the hip hop guy around my way as far as right. being 15 years old, high school, listening to Wu-Tang. But I was also listening to like South Circle and like Suave House and Outkast oh. and Big Mike. And, you know, we like we liked everything, but I was probably one of the first people in my neighborhood in East Point that really wanted to pursue it. So meeting them was like everything to me. You know, Vinyl Junkies really birthed my like creative process. Did you just roll there solo, like not really knowing anyone or anything like that? Yeah, I talked to X-Row on the phone and I was like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm 15. I just want to spin. He was like, well, play me something. It was like landline phones and shit. Just play me something, put the phone to the <laughs> Yeah, speaker. yeah. Nice. Like I did, a, I had this little bullshit Gemini mixer. I think it was a 676 and it had that sampler on it, the little push button. Oh loop. yeah, you do the loops with it, right? Yeah, exactly. So I looped up like Juvenile High instrumental and played. I, I got like a bunch of bullshit 12 inches for free at some party. So I had like I mean, I ain't trying to shit on nobody, but I had like Ja Rule, Holla Holla. I took the acapella and put it over the high beat. And, um, you know, I was getting into raucous records and shit like that. But I was I was learning the game as far as like where you get free records from, how you get free records. Sure. And I just used what I had. And he was like, play this. I hadn't been DJing from nothing more than maybe like that party was in. uh, It was around this time, like November 1st, I think. So it was around this time of year. I had started DJing in March. So I was really like a real noob. And, um, you know, he, you know, but me and X-Row, he put me on a DITC and, and he also worked at uh, Red Distribution, which was doing all the loud record stuff. Right. And which was in like uh, North Carolina or something or was, it that's was, a good question. I, don't I remember know. them. I remember people at that time, yeah. those years, oh, there was a lot of work, distro coming out of them. Uh, the yeah. They well, were, they Red were was in New York too, maybe uh, Sony Red. I think it was in like ma- majorly, but um, right. in Atlanta, there was an office that had a lot of, it was like a hub, you know, they had like right. a lot of wax there. Um, the dude, my homie Jason Rimmer worked there and um, it was on uh, Druid Hills, North Druid Hills is over there Briar, where Briarcliff and North Druid Hills meets. And So would you go there and they'd break you off with records? Yeah. yeah and x Row would put me on missions. He would send me to, to clubs and cool. give DJs records. I was 16 and I was getting into all kind of clubs I wasn't supposed to be getting so. into. Strip clubs, whatever. MJQ, uh, SOs and shit like that. Like Jaguars and shit. Like I was going nice. to certain clubs and the, the dudes at the door would get to know my face and they wouldn't trip. They'd be like, oh, go ahead, you know. So who were the DJs that you were kind of bringing records to or that you were associating with like, at uh, that time? Man, um, DJ Rasta Root is one of the biggest ones. You know, he's like cool. Tribe's manager, Fife's manager. Yeah. Um, he used to come to the office a lot, too. He was actually, well, X-Row kicked off this party called Club Loud where he would break uh, whatever the new Loud release was, whether Pun or 3-6 Mafia or Wu-Tang. And Rasta Root would DJ the event uh, I met him. I met Nabs around that period of time. I know Nabs is a legend in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, DJ Kemet, um, uh, shoot the dudes from Earwax Records like Jazz right, and Talib right. Shabazz. Was um, Applejack? Is he from Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I met him at uh, um, a park jam that actually X Row put together. It was like a vinyl junkies type thing. We right. had like a nice cookout, and that was like ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. 
And yeah, uh, he's an East Side guy, and um, that party was on the East Side. So cool. Yeah, it was cool, man, and, it, and it's kind of full circle now because um, I'm like at Scratch Academy in Atlanta teaching, and um, you know, JC is there, and him and um, Soul Messiah and and Applejack, they all came up together. And, you know, these are dudes that have kind of, like, been around me over half my life now, you know. Right. So, yeah, like, a lot of the inception of me meeting the right people at the right time kind of pushed me further, too. Um, I'm trying to think of any other DJs, like... Uh, well, I remember a dude named DJ Mafioso. Oh, know? hell yeah. I, I talked to him. He just... He, I just talked to him yesterday. That's like my that's like my homie from, from forever, man. Right. He was the first person who actually recorded me. Well, we, I did a remix project. Yeah. Well, I wanted to see if you remember <laughs> this, because this might have been from the first time I ever met you, but I got oh, this. Oh, that's... Yeah, Mafioso recorded this shit. The yeah. Tomorrow's Yesterday. You still got this. Wow. It's I crispy like, mint, too. This is like a Narwhal moment. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, when I have people come over, too, just to... Because you never know what stories could come out of those, Yeah, too. yeah. But, you know, I listened to this earlier today, uh-huh. and some of those... The, those records still hold up. They're not, like, they're not shabby. Front and, the front and remix is quite good. Thank you, bro. Um, yeah, and Funny uh, story. The, both the Outcast ones are uh, hold up too. Roses is pretty amazing. Thank you, man. Like, yeah, the brother Jack McDuff sample. Man, you know what's funny about this shit? I had just got this phone number. This is actually still my number, but it's the wrong area code. Okay. 770, and the rest of the number is still my phone number. So Interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. I remember I gave this shit to Sleepy Brown. Uh-huh. And I was like, man. And then I got home and looked at it. I was like, fuck. Because my old number used to have 404. 770 was kind of. So it's a straight typo. Yeah. It was oh, like 770 is, is relatively new. Like 404 right. is what I grew up having yeah. all my life until around this period. So, wow. It has the finaljunkies.com. Damn, bro. This is crazy. I think I might have one of these left. Maybe one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, I, you know, hold on. I had to rip apart my apartment to find this shit, though, by the way. It wasn't just, like, uh, floating around. Yeah. But, I, you know, the stuff that I get over the years from a lot of artists, where especially when they were, like, the CDRs or the demos or things like this, like, I always hold on to this stuff. Because, you know, it's just, how many of these do you think you've even made? Like, a hundred, maybe? Like, a hundred, bro. Like, yeah. it wasn't a whole lot of those, man. That's crazy to me. That's, that's you look cool. like a young look a young buck. In that. That's for sure, man. <laughs> That's my the picture on the inside is the attic in my mom's house that I sold like four years ago. So this is was that where you were like kind of originally had your home set up? Or yeah, something? that's East Point. That's right. two blocks from Tri Cities High School. That's like a, a world famous high school, I guess you could Did say. You go there? Yeah, yeah. That's where Outcast went and uh, Escape. Um, it's it's a lot of people like like uh, Keenan Thompson went there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a performing arts school, right. and it's also a visual arts school. I was in the visual art department, and um, so I used to do like sculpture and watercolors and all that shit. Did you lay that out too? The, you do this the, right here. Yeah. I, I forgot the brother's name who did it, man. Um, I, honestly, I wish I remembered his name. He was really cool. Um, I had like a lot. I was, you know, really green. You know, I had like a, a, a manager back then. Right? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that dude. Kind of did some bad business with the guy who did the art. Um, it was, of course, it was like not a major deal, but for somebody's time for putting that together, right. I think he got stiffed, and I'm, I, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, you know, hopefully that wasn't too traumatizing. I I'm mean, sure a, he probably don't even remember. Right. I, I just know I was like, you know, damn, like okay, I gotta watch who's watching me. You know, do you still ever use the Amdex name? No, no. When did you retire that? Uh, that had to be like right before me and DT put out our last album, so that was 2011. Right. So 2010, 
I think that's when I around the time I cut my dreads off. Yeah, because I. Uh, so the index stuff, as far as what you produced under that name, is a mm-hmm. lot of that the vinyl junkies era material. Yeah, right? yeah, you, yeah. If it, it's pretty much aligned with that, and I actually still got that name under BMI, so I, you know, I could still use it as a oh, pseudonym cool. or whatever. Just so, because it's easier to not confuse that with my initial last name. Because yeah, but how do you pronounce your last name? Peak is my original, like my right. my government, but Somali. You know, that's I haven't even like whenever I get around to um, revamping my business. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the LLC with the publishing, right? That's when I'll probably get that like more official official gotcha so yeah that's something I've been you know wrapping my head around now next time I go on tour before I go on tour again in the spring I I really want to have that like legitimized yeah I mean that might be a good way to kind of start that chapter like officially Officially, yeah like you know with you know like taxes and shit (laughs) like I don't do none of that shit right now yeah Yeah. I mean that's a good thing to eventually kind of tackle you have to because you know it's you got to pay to play you know in a certain sense you know if you want to have you know protections, and, and you want to take advantage of laws that you know could fuck around and bankrupt your personal life. Well, yeah, especially if you're an artist, uh, when you're managing yourself or you're doing mid-sized business, mm-hmm. so you got to be extra careful because every dollar counts too, yeah. man. In a lot of ways, you yeah, know, yeah. and um, and just being educated on that stuff too, you know. So pretty much everything I do is a write-off, and I don't even nice. You know what I'm saying? Like right. clothes you buy, that's for well, it's wardrobe for your mm-hmm. show, you know, mm-hmm. like. Food, you know, lunch, business meetings, you know, like a lot of shit is really, it's it's up to you to just monetize your life, you know. That's something that's something I'm just as a more of an adult now. I've kind of just taken more account, you know, of that. So that's yeah, and it's there to be done. No one, yeah. uh, you're totally entitled and capable of doing it. It's not mm-hmm. like it's all fully legal, but it just takes being, you know, actually. Uh, Sourcing your way through it, yeah, and diligent, and having, yeah. having like a routine. Like one of the first people I ever knew to do that personally, and he's like my age, and this is years ago. Is uh, Senior Couch? Oh yes, another mm-hmm. Atlanta uh, cat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that guy in a, in a million years as well. He's doing pretty well, man. Yeah. He's in Oregon. He's in Portland with Nike. Really? Yeah, he's designing kicks. Dope. You know, that, that's his passion. That's always been, even when we was roommates for a brief period. You know. He had the orange boxes to the sky, you know? No way, okay. And he's actually a part of the company now. And he actually put out some really ill, um, I think there were some Bo Jacksons that had like the 1996 Olympic colors oh. for Atlanta. And right. man, like, you know, he, he just knows what he's doing. He's right. right where he needs to be. That's a shout out to that dude, man. Yeah, I still have this MF Doom album he did. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> that was another of that era of like the kind of CDR, mm-hmm. slim CDR, mm-hmm. limited release type shit. Yeah. yeah, his Child's Play album, I'm on that joint. That was like oh. a Japan-only release. He's He was ahead of the curve, man. Like, right. to be like in his early 20s, when he was in his early 20s, he was doing a lot of dope shit. He, you know, he, he, he soaked up game from the right people, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Cognito and... Right, right. About the about the about the promotions and the, you know, just brothers who I still talk to to this day and yeah, Cognito's got a great thing going on too with his stuff with Spina yeah. and uh, but I mean I've always had a lot of respect for him just from uh, Mass Influence. Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. great group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like originators and and, and real trailblazers for Atlanta yeah. hip hop and you know, do they get their just due? You know, I I, I don't think I don't think a lot of People who do shit first get they just do. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I agree <laughs> you know with you there. Um, 
yeah, I could speak up firsthand to that. But no, I'm just saying, <laughs> but also, especially for mass influence too, because of the, I think, and this sort of might be a good bridge in this because I do want to talk about Atlanta a little bit. Cool. Like, I've only been there a handful of times. I grew up in Virginia though, but, uh, but that, the way that the hip hop music, I guess, first scene and then the industry is like, has a lot of different chapters and sort of factions to it too. And speaking at least of the one, the one part uh, where of the piece of the puzzle really with mass influence and of that era, like when Fat Beats was in Atlanta yeah. and so on, and the Spearhead X and mm-hmm. like, um, I think that the history of that doesn't really get a, a lot of coverage whatsoever. Nah, um, nah. But those guys are really like, well, one just them as a group were really they made a great. They made great songs, mm-hmm. very well produced material. That I remember seeing them a few times. I actually filmed the whole concert of theirs in San Francisco in nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine, and super high energy. They yeah. had that that yeah. Run DMC. Uh, um, they came out to the um, to the joint. But uh, for you, I think you're at a vantage point too, maybe to speak on this too, because you sort of started at a young age, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you saw a little bit of. That you saw that era, mm-hmm. and then the ninety, the stuff from the nineties that was uh, before that. Yeah. Then obviously everything that's happening like right, right now. Right now, too. yeah. So they're all very different in a lot of ways. Man, way different. I mean, it's just like the weather in Atlanta. You know, the the, right. the saying is, if you don't like the weather in Atlanta, wait five minutes. Right. <laughs> that's kind of a, a way to look at the industry itself and just the style of music. It just continues to change. Right. A lot. Um, I remember DJ Toomp was talking about how a big factor that changed the Garden Atlanta was the fact that like a lot of check writers left Atlanta, mm-hmm. like L.A. Reid. You know, he went to Arista, New York, right. and, and just certain shit like that. Um, it, it went from being like we got budgets from all this great R and B music to make rap music to fend for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like sell it out to Trump. Right. And, and it's almost like, um, you know, when that, it's almost like when Napster kind of took over, like that type of shit, like it kind of destabilized the industry. People had to come up with other ways to get heard. And a lot of stuff went really back to the streets really fast. Right, right. So um, even with people now who have a lot of influence from the 90s with, when, it, when you had big budgets and you had um, gatekeepers, so to speak, uh-huh. even those people have to be legitimized now by the streets, by mixtape culture, you know what I'm saying, by what 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 kids are listening to more or less, you know what I mean? Like you'll hear you'll probably hear like an Andre 3000 verse on uh for instance like, you know, he did like the White T remix or something, right? Like uh-huh. he you know, he, he people reach back in Atlanta because it it just it, everything changes. You can't sit on your laurels in Atlanta and consider yourself like I'm just a legend. I'm good, you know. Right. It, you, it, Even for someone like Andre, who seems impervious to mm-hmm. like that whole like music industry as a whole. Yeah, well, he's he's a unicorn though. Right. I mean, he'll be all right. Yeah. But <laughs> but you know, just certain stuff you have to you have to stay abreast of in Atlanta, man. Like, right. and um, ah, man, like even like Two Chains, something like that. He, he's on his second. Career. That's right. You yeah. know, what was the first group? Play a circle was like, well, yeah. that might even be before, even with, like, yeah, like earlier. disturbing the peace when he was city right. boy and stuff. Right, right. Like, he basically reinvented himself and 
you have to do that. And that, and I, maybe that's a maybe Atlanta's a microcosm. Of, maybe I'm saying I'm not trying to sound too specific to Atlanta. Like maybe everybody should do that. Right. But especially in Atlanta, I think it's really important. You know, even me. Look, I changed my name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. uh, you, you have to grow there, man. Um, it's to me, it's the city of change. Um, you know, it's 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 just it's just different, man. You, you talked about like when Fat Beats was around. And you know today's the death anniversary of the homie Jacks, and he, he used to work. Wow, there. today is yeah, wow, yeah, nine years, man. He, oh you know, I, I gotta say, man, you know, Binkus, yes, yeah, so slept on. So yeah, yeah, dudes. I mean, them and Mass Influence, you know, they they were traveling and touring and cutting wax and fucking with um, Bobito and yeah, you know what I'm saying? Just like they they really had a a, a big sway in the hip hop community abroad and just mm-hmm. you know worldwide to a point where you could you could see yourself like damn I can do this you know what I mean like everybody had a space to do their own thing and I think Atlanta used to be a little bit more uh, um, varied with what was popular mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. it's like you pretty much hear trap music twenty four seven like eight o'clock yeah. in the morning on the radio they playing trap music yeah uh, and, and you know if I had any critique at all about my city I would say that I wish it was more balanced uh, like it kind of used to be but um you know you, you know Rowdy Records did great things you know Dallas Austin. Um, like you said, Spearhead X was that rowdy for a while. He was producing for De La Soul. Yeah, um, oh, he, he did amazing stuff on on Stasis High. Yeah, right? man. Yeah, he did Long Island Degrees, I believe. Yeah, I think that's I think the so. he did. Um, and you know, uh, but Rowdy Records was a great label too. Was it, yeah. was illegal from Atlanta? Um, yeah, I do remember that group. Jamal they were from Jersey, I think. Okay, but they had a foothold there sure. for, through Rowdy you know like Eric Sermon came there yes. you know? so was Eric Sermon not to interrupt you but yeah. I was thinking about this too before you came mm-hmm. specifically about like this kind of evolution of Atlanta because it does seem like it's like every year it's in this kind of flux like period of grappling like with the past and the future like yeah. but a lot of there's been a lot of transplants from New York to Atlanta a lot. Uh, and, and maybe from California yeah. too Too know? Short Yeah. so uh, who came first Eric Sermon or Too Short do you know I think Short was before okay. Eric. Eric came in like 95. Right. I think I remember Too Short. I remember seeing him in Green Bar Mall when I was just moving to East Point in like 93. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I think Short was there a little bit before. Um, Eric was there. He had the rim shop. Yeah. And uh, he had the studio in the back. I never. I, that was before my time, but my, some of my friends from there will tell you that that was, that was popping. You had, um, who else came down there? Um, shoot, I mean... Pac was there for a little bit, if I'm not really? mistaken. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. He had family there, um, at least. Um, but, you know, you would run into a lot of people there. I mean, Raekwon moved there. I think Nas moved down there a little later on. Right. Um, and now, I mean, a I know, lot, there's oh, a lot more now. I mean, yeah, I know Diamond D lives the thing. down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My man Greg Nice lives down there. Yeah, uh, um, obviously, I think there's a big... This is in Atlanta, but Marietta is where I think where MF Doom was stationed. That's who I was... Now. That was on the tip of my tongue. Um, and... Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know. Like, uh, Mad Villain, the concept came out of Atlanta. Really? Yeah, um, Egon and my boy DJ John Doe. Yes, shouts to John Doe. Yeah, man. Um, and Eddie Meeks. And Eddie Meeks, yo, Southern Vanguard, yes, my dude. dudes, man. Um, I'm not a big podcast person, but they I make a point to check for them all yeah, the time. I love those guys. Yeah, just because it's like their sense of humor and shit. Like, it just because I know them forever, it's just good to see them doing doing the shit still. Yeah, man. Stanky. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. Like John told me the story. I don't want to like 
kind of you know uh, switch up any facts too much, but I do know that like Doe had a heavy influence on that, and that's kind of how Stacey Epps got involved with the project. Interesting, okay. Because she was down there, right? And um, yeah, it's like a lot of cool shit happens in Atlanta, and it's from a lot of transplants for sure. Um, and even at at this point, it's kind of full circle, like. Rico Wade is like my neighbor now and shit. Wow. And um, I just saw uh, Ray Murray before I bounced, and we kind of chopped it up. I actually got a song that he remixed. That uh, I did a song with my boy Big Vision and Corrupt mm-hmm. um, called Change Your Style. It's on uh, my last on my last my last album album Senior Dues. Okay. And uh, Ray Murray remixed it, and um, you know it's just kind of funny like. I'm fucking rubbing shoulders with motherfuckers that kind of like gave me that spark in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? But well, do you think because of the way like trap has become like this kind of pop entity mm-hmm. that all the other creative, I guess, quote unquote, hip hop artists or producers? Not, I mean, hip hop is such a kind of a bland way to <laughs> explain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but just like um, maybe not necessarily they're non-trap artists that you know make beats and it's like hip hop and R&B so fun. Mm-hmm. Kind um, of traditional sound. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, but even... For lack of a better word. <laughs> right, right, right. I know. It's so hard to put these labels on this stuff. Yeah. The point I'm trying to make is that with that, the bomb of trap of the last almost 10 years now, five, 10 years strong, mm-hmm. did it push all these people kind of out around this the rim so they kind of are like-minded even though they might be from two different generations of, of that scene in a way? I can like, see that because... I mean, like, for instance, like, my boy D- Dylan just did an EP with Diamond D. Okay. Very, oh, yes. Very dope. Black Tie Affair. I bought it. It's on my iTunes. You should check it out. Dope. Dude, Dylan. D-I-L-L-O-N. I'm giving him the, 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 the bump. Yeah, that's quite a plug. The bump, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and then Diamond D did an album with my dude Big Wreck. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a lot... It's a lot easier to, to meet people that you used to maybe idolize now, right? Because it's different. Yeah, you're right. Like it's kind of like they say it's no country for old men. I hate that. I don't agree. I think what it really is, and this is not just an Atlanta thing. I think a lot of people in those positions to pump major music on a major scale. I think they're they they. It's easier for them to pluck to 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 tap new talent, right? Because new talent has something to prove, and they'll work for free. Right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Like you can't keep going to these legends and giving them the same shit you gave them off the last album. Right, They're right. gonna be like, "No, nah, I'm worth more than that. I've made you millions of dollars." So I think, in a way, a lot of the legends get pushed out on a budget thing, like a strictly monetary thing. Like sure. if we can take Lil or Young so and so and make him a star and sign him to a 360 deal, hey, right. better for us because the industry is already kind of crumbling. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And a lot of those younger artists are a lot more thirsty to get put on exactly. too because it, it's so much more visual and visceral on your phone too yeah man you're like damn like you know this kid because they like the artists I'm saying I don't know if I'm getting older but they feel like they're much much younger like yeah. like 13 and shit you know coming up with <laughs> yeah. like and in a way that's great you know I was young when I started too so mm-hmm. and I know that you were as well and mm-hmm. there's something about that it's a little different though because I guess 
due to lack of technology, you had to be a little more uh, inventive on how you connected with people. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, you know? and I think I probably was a little immature when the internet was really taking over. I was kind of, like, trying to get my numbers up, and I don't think I really, I think I probably put the cart before the horse if I can, like, critique myself, because mm-hmm. I really wanted to go hard and be heard and get my crew on and do blah, 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 but I was willing to go on the trips you know, I was willing to live in L.A. without a bedroom. I was willing to make sacrifices, and I think that's kind of what carries people more than, you know, anything else. Like, you have to be willing to sacrifice and be kind of uncomfortable. Right, right. And um, I remember talking to people, like, there was a sister in Copenhagen that I know, and I was like, man, you know, she she promoted shows out there. And I was like, shit, how, do you, how does one do that? And she, she brought up an, another artist that is blowing up still to this day um, independently. She was like, yo, this guy used to sleep on the floors in hotels and... He used to just kind of like throw caution to the wind. You know, he wasn't waiting for the perfect opportunity. And I think a lot of people, a lot of youth today, they kind of want the perfect opportunity sometimes. So um, the ethic kind of gets lost a little bit. I think a lot of people, you know, they don't want to, everybody wants to look really fly. Everybody's doing it for the gram. Everybody wants to do the Bow Wow Challenge. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's trying to look like they're doing bigger shit than they actually are. Um, and they put that before their craft, before their music. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's evident in the music because, I mean, the trap formula is, it's, you couldn't think of a more formulaic sound. Yes. I mean, yes, it's yes. down to the ad libs. Yeah. People are fighting the ad libs. <laughs> yeah. Shit. It's everything um, step recorded. Not step recorded. You know, for like, you know, everything's like uh, quantized. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. I mean, the drum programming, I mean, forget about yeah, it. For the, the last five years, it's been identical on every single song. Yeah, and shit, you know? yeah. You mean, you could hear, I remember when we, when we was like in high school, me and my homies used to, you know, since we didn't have smartphones and shit, we used to do shit like, we knew we were going to hear music playing for, far away. So from the bass line, we'd be like trying to figure out what song it was. Like, right. that was a game to us. Like, yeah, yeah. that sounds like, you know, UGK. Like, oh, that is, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. yeah, like that shit. You know, you can't do that now, I don't think. Like, a lot of shit, no. you just gonna be like, that's a 808 clap and a lot of bass. I don't know what the fuck that is. Right, okay. <laughs> it's it could it's be 73 BPMs. That's like a million songs. Like, <laughs> yeah. And there's not, not to say there aren't some great, there aren't gems in that. There, there are, are. There are. No doubt. Yeah. Trust me. Oh, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a hater on that shit whatsoever. I, no. I love a lot of that stuff. But it is super formulaic. Super. You know. Yeah. And, you know, people selling their personality. Right. You know the beats, the music comes kind of second in a lot of the way. A lot of the way, oh, you know for sure. I mean? Like you know, you, you, it's reality TV era right now too. Right. You know, so so what was the um, your like LA experience about? Because I, I like yeah. to go back just a little bit on the story of yeah, yeah. VJC too, oh, word. because that's a group that uh, I've always been a huge fan of, and there are guys that I consider my friends too. Mm-hmm. Some is like I consider my great friend. Um, another slept on group of guys though yeah, possibly yeah. a little bit ahead of their time or before their time if you will I could say that as yeah. far as a collective yeah you know? yeah that's real and everybody was from somewhere else and yeah. it, it was hard to pin us down that might have been like part of the uh, gift and the curse you know but um, I was going to LA since 2000 with you know X-Row when he was moving back um, to LA and some ended up moving back to LA and um, I would just go every couple of every year or two for a couple of weeks and around Christmas time or something like that kick it with X-Rose family mm-hmm. um, we have you know friends out there from another group called Gershwin oh that's right yeah, yeah. BLX yeah. Right? Yeah. Omni yeah Omni one. yeah right. Omni's still pushing hard like we, we just missed each other he was in Belgium and I showed up like a couple of days later oh, um, it's just good to see people still pushing hard um, but as far as LA 
that's like the first time I really got to say like, damn, I, I've DJed over here now. It's kind of like that moment where Tyson walked in. You know, I right. was DJing at certain spots with X Row. X Row was working for K Day for a good period of time, so um, he always had his. You know, he's always in the right place at the right time. Um, it's just a, a great place for music. Even when before I lived there, it was always something to get into. Um, I kind of sometimes, you know, like, damn, I wonder what I'd be on if I just stayed. You know what I mean? Sure. But um, you know, it's. it's some will tell me the way some says it. You ain't missing shit. Just come out and do your thing. You know, it's the internet now. You can just always get your shine on anywhere. You can pop in and out of places now mm-hmm. a little bit more than get moving and getting stationed there. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's what it seems like to me, man. It, but it was good times, man. It definitely showed me that I can live outside of where I'm used to. And uh, and you know, I was working at the airport in Atlanta when I moved to LA. I got a job at the same company when I got to LA. So it was just smooth, man. I think it was just all kismet. And right. everything kind of went smoothly. Everything was real smooth, man. Just um, I was DJing at certain places where, you know, like uh, marijuana clinics or just like a lot of shit you just couldn't do nowhere else right. at the time, especially, um, you know, doing uh, live broadcast performances with certain companies. Um, I met MERS because um, he was fucking with a group from Atlanta called Supreme. And one of the guys in Supreme lived in East Point right around the corner from me. So we all knew each other. Um, and, um, you know, it's just you, you meet people. I was meeting people I grew up listening to. Prince Poe was living out there. Right. right. Um, yeah, he's real, you know, real humble cat, real chill people. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was like. Uh, actually, Stacey Epps was a big reason why I moved out there, to be honest okay. with you, though, because she hit me up like, yo, you should just come out here. You know, I think she was going on tour and she was like, I could use a house guests to watch the crib, you know, and I ended up just getting, getting staying, you know, just staying. My, my mom was still alive and I knew I had somewhere to leave a lot of my records and shit. Of course. So I had the support system was there. Did and you guys record Strange Arrangement in LA? We did. Okay. In Palms at, at Malkovich's apartment. Okay. And that was like 05. Yeah. But that was before I lived there. I moved there the next year. So that's as far as that group goes. That's the only album you guys ever did. Right? Yeah, together. You, um, me, you produced a lot of it, though, right? Uh, a chunk of it. I did like, I did the title track, and I did a remix for the title track, and I think that was it. Really? I think okay. that was it. Yeah. Um, it was pretty spread out because we got so many producers at the helm. So yeah. So especially for people that are listening to this that might not really know the makeup of the group, because mm-hmm. one, it's a since there's only really one album, yeah, yeah, Strange Arrangement is the album, mm-hmm. and um, uh, but it's like a group of uh, basically there's a lot of producers that also rhyme, yeah. So and it's if I'm I'm gonna tell you who I think is in the group. If I miss anyone, then okay. you fill it in for me because gotcha. this might help me educate people that aren't hip. So I'm hoping that I can kind of put some people on to folks that might have missed the material when it came out because no now doubt. it's like. Over a decade ago, yeah, you know, yeah. about a decade ago. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little bit longer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so what so, you got? <laughs> yeah, so for, for the, the guys I identify with as far as Vinyl Junkie uh, crew is, um, you know, obviously some kid. Yeah. There's you and Dex. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's X Man mm-hmm. producer. Yep. Yeah, there's X Row mm-hmm. who's also a producer, but he rhymes too, right? Yeah, Mario yeah. rhymed too. Mario rhymed too. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, Punch. Yep. And. Um, now I know I'm missing one uh, one other person. Right? Well, you got DJ Two Tone Jones. Okay. Yeah. Um, DJ Rare Groove was a original member and still still a member. He's um, also Blueprints DJ. Yeah, that's right. Um, you got um, I said what I said I said Two Tone Jones. I said Pud. Oh, you said Pud. I said Groove. 
and um, you know, there's also uh, Bad Touch. All oh, right. Yeah, and um, and then uh, you know, we've had other members kind of in and out. You know, Amazon Nozama, um, she's like on a couple tracks on that project. Oh, laced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She killed song. that shit. Yeah. Alliteration, like she went off on that shit. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've had homies and and really close friends who haven't necessarily been in the in the recording with us. But always was a part of it, you know, like DJ Pillow or um, you, you pretty much hit like everybody who's like been really consistent, though. You right. Know what I'm saying? Like some cats are past and present, but were you guys doing shows and stuff like that in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. It was we, a pretty prolific time for the group. It was. We did a lot of gigs like we did some stuff in Long Beach. We was doing stuff. Me and D.T. was getting shows as clandestine. Mm-hmm. Um X-Ro and X-Man had a group called McKinley Pros. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, some, you know, some was doing a lot of, still is doing a lot of shit. And even with his band, you know, he has the Milky Way now. True, yeah. Everybody just kind of branched out. You know, Two-Tone Jones got the Shaolin Jazz thing. This is like a reoccurring, like, event. Also album where they've mixed uh, Blue Note with Wu-Tang joints. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's taking that overseas. He's, he's taking that to Ethiopia. Wow. I think he went to India with that. And, um... Yeah, man, I, that's that's pretty much everybody. You remember this joint right here? Yeah, this yeah. was the listening party. This was mm-hmm. a weird, com- like, kind of compilation. There was one song that I contributed to it by someone that had absolutely nothing to do yeah. with the crew. Yeah, I remember Chris Lowe. I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But this is a great, another great um, catalog piece for the VJC. Yeah. You know, another interesting thing I always thought about with this particular group is that given the time that, that, that they were active and doing stuff and the proximity of being in LA, being in LA mm-hmm. doing stuff in Los Angeles, and that it's one big collective of guys that also had sub-factions of artists inside of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, not that long after the, you know, this uh, the VJCs was kind of had their kind of few years of being super prolific. Mm-hmm. There's like another larger group of guys that kind of came out um, that was so, sort of similar, and that to me I always felt like maybe low key they were biting them and shit. I'm talking about Odd Future. I figured of course. you were talking about Odd. now. <laughs> this is all my speculative. Uh, it's all relative to my opinion, so uh-huh. I'm not taking shots at anybody. I hear you. But I'm saying there's uh, some great um, similarities between the two. Yeah. Uh, was there? Do you think there was ever any kind of crossover where those dudes, because they're younger? Yeah, you know who? A couple I think, years younger. I think this is something I've thought to myself, and I've talked amongst some of the guys. I think Gershwin was probably more. I'm sure some of their big brothers or cousins was Gershwin fans. Right. Like I kind of even see because Gershwin, they like they was a little more wild. You know what right. I'm saying? Kind of like in the vein of Our Future. Yeah, definitely. Like they, them dudes was like, and them dudes was like the first people I knew personally who was like unsigned, but they was doing shows in Australia, they was touring, you know right. what I'm saying? They always had, they was plugged in. And um, with VJs, we was kind of insular. Like we just did it because we loved it. We didn't, we never tried to like take product, product to labels and shit like that. Right, right. That wasn't really like, and X-Ro as, as a leader of the group and a founder of the group, you know, that wasn't really like, I don't think that was his goal, you know what I'm saying? Like it's more like a band of brothers type yeah, of thing. It like, seemed like it was a little more, yeah. Like I can see that now the way you explain it. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems mm-hmm. to like a little on the le- level headed guys that like really have a love for the music too, yeah. and like yeah. Um, 
I don't know though. There's some similarities <laughs> with it being a large ensemble. True, that's right. in L.A. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I see that too. But that's funny because I, I was talking to Malkovich and I was like, because he actually, I think he said he saw, um, he saw um, Tyler once, but um, I can't remember what. That was like the start of the conversation. But I was like, you know, man, like. They always kind of reminded me of Gershwin, man. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, like, at a Gershwin show, them fools would stage dive and do all kind of right, shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't like a Vinyl Junkie show. You know what I mean? That was, nah. It was a little different vibe. It, I mean, and, and then again, you know, they're from L.A., you know, all of them. That is true. So right. there's something to that home team, the home field advantage type mm-hmm. shit. And I'm sure, because they, they put a fucking mud hole in the underground scene as far as, like, putting their cassettes out, you know, vocabulary drab. And getting vinyl pressed up, Omni getting his shit pressed up, doing shit with like producers overseas, like Grasshopper, or fucking with um, uh, who, who's he fuck with Tricky? You right, know what right. I'm saying? Like them dude, like to me, I was like, these motherfuckers are fucking insane. Right. You know, just their work ethic. You know what I'm saying? And they just had like, they felt like they felt real LA. You know what I mean? Like I would go to certain venues with them, and I would see ciphers with Otherwise and. You know, they, they had a nice uh, uh, type of relationship with Fat Lip. Mm-hmm. And, like, just dudes that I really respected, you know what I mean? Dudes who kind of did the hopscotch between, um, you know, delicious vinyl, like, main, you know, not mainstream, but just, like, household name damn near to straight right. underground shit. Right. Like, they, they kind of towed that line before there was an internet and shit, you right, know what right. I mean? It's funny, because now it seems like in Atlanta that's almost that that sort of sense is there where you there's this you as far as younger artists go too mm-hmm. they kind of they can tow they can flirt with this pop world of yeah. mega successful artists and yep. stuff um mm-hmm. whereas you know in la there's that temptation of hollywood is always there you know and super celebrity mm-hmm. uh kind of like access in a way i guess in atlanta this is just me like you know riffing on this though but, no you're right you know I, I feel you um because how can I say? How can I put that? Cause, like, like, cause, like I was saying, like a lot of the check writers are gone. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. So it's a lot. It's really if you really want to be popular in Atlanta, all you really got to do is show up to everything. Right. <laughs> you know, and some people really do that. Like, there's a couple people there that they just show up to every fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like for, even like do like Four Eyes. Okay. He's one of my favorite MCs. I'm not hip to him ever. Okay. He was on first two uh, Ludacris albums on the gotcha. freestyle portions. Yep. He had, you know, bars on there. He um, he was, like, disturbing the peace early, you know what I'm saying? But he, his, he's just one of the best MCs I've ever heard. Lyrics, I, I've, I've been watching him all my life as a DJ since right. I was 15. And he would come to, like, we tried to bring Project, we, I'm not going to say we tried, we did. We brought Project Blow to Atlanta okay. for a period because X-Row, that was his foundation as a DJ. Yeah. So we had, like, freestyle, we, we, we was doing freestyle shit, like, events, before that was a thing, like mm-hmm, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and Four Eyes would be there. So. You know, when when there was a, a battle, um, there was this venue called Samba Reptile. Um, I think the name of the crew who put it together was called the Committee. Okay, and um, they had freestyle battles, and he won like the first one. He's he's just a sick freestyle artist. You right. know what I'm saying? Just and but he can make great songs too. And um, you know, we still collaborate to this day. We got a song we just did uh, on my homeboy's album this year. Uh, Mudfish just put an album out called Goldie Han Solo. And um, oh, I gotta check that. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's tight. It's got some good artists from Atlanta on there. But like Four Eyes, for example, like last year he had he had an event on Edgewood that I DJ for uh, weekly, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know 
that was like a summertime thing that we just try, tried to run and just kind of like you know give ourselves some shine and um but super humble cat but like Ludacris is like his right hand you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying like they're both from chicago originally they've been rapping together since they was kids they mm-hmm. was in the group like you see he'll, he'll post pictures of their first rap group and they're like 10 or some shit right, you know right. what i mean but rapping is like water for him you know it's just all in him you know, in his dna and um for him to have seen like that mountaintop he's been there he's been he's had the deals but he's still on the scene everybody know who yeah. he is you know what i'm saying like it that's all i'm saying is like if you're just consistent in Atlanta, like it's easy, and then you'll you'll end up meeting the people that kind of paved the way, so to speak. Like, um, good another good example. I was at Dave West's album release party in Atlanta a couple years ago, and Tuami, you know, who's uh, fucking with Fat Beats and mm-hmm. House Shoes and shit, he had a beat set, and Andre 3000 was just there. Oh. And then I look to my right, and there's Pasta News. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, Pops. Like, he lives in Atlanta. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> like shit like that. Like, um, and you know they just just together. You know, yeah. like it's it's not, and, and they seek out underground shit in right, Atlanta. Right. Like, and five two nine probably has like a capacity of like 150 people. Yeah, yeah. You know no, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And and people just know where to go. So, right. um, it's it's Atlanta has that like that charm of a still kind of small, sleepy at times place. So what's the vibe there for you now? Like, where are for you me, at with stuff? Yeah, um, just personally, I've plateaued. Um, what? How do you? How do you think? Um, I just think I've hit a ceiling there. Because um, you were, were you, you were born and raised there, right? I was raised there. I was born in North Carolina. I was born in Raleigh. Okay, gotcha. And um, uh, but as far as like as far as like whenever there's a write up about me in any publication in Atlanta, they're right. like hip hop. They saying shit like hip hop kingpin or ringleader and, and you know okay. it's, it, it kind of creeps me out a little bit to be honest with you because I feel like I haven't done nearly enough but the perception that I'm getting lately is that like I'm that dude you know what I mean I don't even like saying shit like that <laughs> but I just feel like I have to live up to my own hype you know gotcha I, that's all that's all it, it just made the stakes higher for me so coming off five countries last week or so coming back into the states like it was good for my for my spirit and just kind of like showing me that there's more ahead you know yeah and um i needed that um, yeah absolutely so yeah well, okay so i want to talk about this tour too yeah just sure. got back yeah, yeah we're here in new york recording it but so this is just like a brief stopover before you get back to atlanta mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got a couple shows and you have a show here in new york right? yeah i had one a couple of days ago at, at bedvine the, the the brewery yeah know, over there um where pudge has his um first thursdays oh yeah and then yeah. i'm doing beat house this upcoming week dope yeah. So tell I'd love to talk about this tour because I was, uh, you know, you hit me to the fact that you had just come from it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was with uh, Cunning Linguists, yeah, right? Yeah. They were headlining. Mm-hmm. Um, another group that's really put their time, their work into. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I peeped the the routing out too. It looked one. It looked great. It looked like it was a it was a fun trip. I mean, it's a lot of France too, so that's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So what was the have you? Was it your first time going out there, or? Yeah, I, I've been to Oslo like seven years ago. I went to their fest, their music festival, oh, performed. Cool. Um, but that was just that. That's the last, first and last time I was in Europe. Um, oh, nice. Okay, so this was a pretty extensive. You yeah. said five weeks. It was. No, a, it was like, like a four, month. like right, a month. Right. Yeah, like we had like minimal days off. We probably had three days off. We did like nineteen days. How were you traveling? Were you in a van? Yeah, um, and uh, we also. 
I'm trying to think now. Flew yeah, we, a couple times. Obviously, you got to fly a few times. Yeah, right? I think we flew like one other time. If I'm not mistaken, I might be tripping. I might that might not have happened. Now that I'm kind of confused, but <laughs> we basically drove around everywhere. Wow! So you see a lot. Yeah, that way. a lot of cows. And right, <laughs> a lot of fields. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, villages, villages, and, and graffiti in weird places and right, shit. Right, right, right. And art in weird places. Um, France is beautiful, man. I, um, I definitely loved uh, Marseille the most. Nice, okay. To be like on the Mediterranean and yeah. be that close to Africa was just really cool. You know, beautiful women, beautiful, oh. beautiful scenery, beach, and streets, and it felt like it. It felt like it had every place was old. Like the feeling, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like they've been there like for yeah. like, for a long time. Um, but yeah, we went from um, France to the UK, uh, Belgium, um, Switzerland, went to Zurich, and Germany. And um, I might have skipped one place. When How was the reception for you there? Like, it was great, yourself? man. Because this is this is what I did. I DJed the whole night. I DJed Cunning Linguist set. Really? Um, I DJed for Triz, another uh-huh. artist from Inland uh, Inland Empire and Cali, mm-hmm. and of course myself. So. Um, so you were on stage the whole show. the whole night. My bladder is, was mad, <laughs> like a lot. But right. <laughs> but uh, so you know my set consists of my of MCing. You know, body tricks and DJing and shit, juggling oh. and shit, and um, you know, just that's basically the, the two elements that I brought out. So, are you going from during your set? Are you mm-hmm. going from behind the turntables up to the front of stage and back and yeah. doing some shit? Yeah. Are you rhyming and DJing at the same time, or are you um, nah. doing a little bit of here, a little bit there, a little bit here like, and there? I had like some routines together, so. so I would like put the mic down and just go off for a little minute. And then jump back into it. Um, it was like a little language barrier and shit at certain points. I'm sure. So, you know, you had to kind of like, Noah is good at this, you know, from kind of language. Like, he enunciates the fuck out of everything, you right. know what I'm saying? And then people respond accordingly. Like, when we went to the UK, it was kind of like a relief because everybody knew what the fuck I was saying. Right. And I actually, that's when I started selling merch. Like, the first couple times, in the first couple cities in France, in Paris, I didn't move shit. But and then the shows was good. People liked it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm seeing that people was following me on online and shit, and kind of following up later. Right. But when we got to the UK, that's when it, that's when it started. Really, I think maybe that was a confidence booster because I was like, okay, they they know what I'm saying here, and that's when that shit started kind of opening up. But, yeah, it's got to register, you know, like <laughs> you know, language wise too. Yeah, but. yeah, but. Yeah, it was dope though, man. We, that was the only time we really had off was in Paris. We did Paris two nights in, in back to back. Dope. And same venue. And um, nice. So it must have yeah. been like a strong turnout to do two nights. Right? Yeah, sold it was. Out. It was dope. It was dope. a lot of the shows were sold out. Nice. Like the majority of them were sold out. Um, uh, I don't. I got to give it to those guys too. You know, I don't know them personally, mm-hmm. but I've, you know, obviously. I've been in this game long enough. I know I know them all yeah. in a way. So I've been peeping their game since they first started putting records out. And mm-hmm. you know, I used to write for many years. I wrote for Elemental magazine, yeah. obviously a product of Atlanta, yeah. um, and did many cover stories for them. But they were early, got a lot of coverage in that magazine early on yeah. and stuff. Just but, having that foothold in the city, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they um, have always. They seem like they've always been pretty. Determined, yeah. Uh, yeah. organized, tenacious, and shit. Yeah, smart. They're, they're smart as shit. Cool. Like, they know what they're doing. Like, right. And that was cool. You know what I mean? Like they say, when you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm-hmm. Like this was totally the opposite of that. You know what I'm saying? I was a sponge. Uh, we nice. had a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? A lot. It was fun first. That was dope. And then business. I learned a lot of business, and I learned a lot about just you know, cause, you know. Last year I did a tour basically. I booked everything. That was all basically me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. 
And um, so how did that work? You were doing the same kind of set where you're DJing yeah. and rhyming. Yeah, I DJed okay. and rhymed for everybody um, except for the opening acts, of course. Right. And we didn't. Have, and that's thing about Europe too. That Europe doesn't really do a lot of opening acts, like local openers. Yeah, right, that's right. not. It's not very big there. It's not like the culture, I guess. And is there early shows? Like you know, we'd be on at like eight, and the, the 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 curfew would be like midnight a lot of the times. Oh, that can be nice in a way. Oh yeah, you know, especially yeah. if it's a, if it's a full room already, like yeah. on the early side. Yeah, that yeah, can be great. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't performing for like the bartender. Like right. people was there, you know. Right, right. And that shit was really dope. And um, and they love vinyl out there, so I brought vinyl of my dope. shit. And um, the fact that you DJ, they love that shit. I have I have more people come up to me talking about my scratches and shit. Yeah. Than anything. You know, because I guess the language barrier, that then, you know, of course, they, they was all about what you could do, what you what you showed them. And um, that's how you should go back there as a DJ. I mean, really, yeah. to be able to, to toggle between the two is an invaluable resource. Not a lot yeah. of DJs can rhyme. And you've already I mean, you've already proven yourself with clandestine and with your solo shit, too. True. As far as like a rhyming producer too, mm-hmm. but to DJ is a, it's a lane all in itself. That's you know? real. So. I thought about that too because to be honest with you, man, just being in the states, um, DJing, I was kind of losing the gusto for it mm-hmm. because you know you know how it is in the states, man. You know if you got titties, you can be a DJ. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and I'm not about to go under the knife. So you know, I was just like, <laughs> I was, well, I was DJs just like, are kind of like a dime a dozen in a way mm-hmm. and. And, uh, people are jaded here in, in many ways. Yeah, I, and I was the one of them. You know, I, sure, sure. I, I mean, was, I am too to a degree too. You know, you know? I, I come home and look at all my records, and and I and I and I be out and I see DJs with controllers and right, right. And I'm not knocking technology, man. I just think it's like, and I, you know, and I take pride in the shit because I, you know, I teach at Scratch Academy in Atlanta. Right. So what we do, we always start people off with vinyl just to give them like that. That, that respect for nice, it. Nice, good. You know, and, um, you know, but it's, 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 I know a lot of people who aren't DJs who DJ in Atlanta, and I'm not mad at them, and I just get out the way, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, in right. a way, I, I don't want to ever be like, hey, I'm too young, I'm too young to be like curmudgeonly yeah, like, attacking yeah, yeah, hip-hop. You. Absolutely. Know? Nobody's, nobody's old to where they're justified in that shit. I don't right, think right. so. Don't give a fuck who you are, you right. know what I mean? I think you just need to be good at what you do, show and prove, have a following and you know work with that I don't think you need to fight you know it's too much of that shit already with hip hop I think it's a lot of angst that's not really um, being used artistically so oh, for sure you know so I, I kind of just dodged that and that's when I started leaning more on, on MCing and shit and actually being an artist because a lot of my career so far I've been kind of in the background somewhat yeah definitely you know what I mean like producing and I've engineered yeah. a lot of projects for really? other people mastering oh I didn't know that yeah man a lot of um, you know Mark Speck shit you know like, oh dope yeah um, you know shit I did Pretty Weapons um, I did some of the album that he did with uh, Carnage you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and um, I've done mastering for uh, Believe you know what I'm saying uh-huh. like yeah. I've done stuff for um why you, you know, in DC, um, the 78ers album and Godzilla, the cats. And do you record people too? Like, I sometimes I do, sometimes I, I can, and a lot of the people I end up doing that for, at least recently, it's like cats that's local, you know, right, right. nobody's really, it's you know, it ain't really like that. Like anybody on the level that I would fuck with on a song featuring. My other homies record them. You but know? you feel pretty confident as a mastering engineer. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, definitely. I've been doing that for like probably ten years. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my shit too. I mean, it, you know, it pays bills and that's my. It's kind of a fine. There's a fine art to it if you really know how to do it yeah, properly. Yeah, you know? and I get repeat business, so I feel confident. You know. Nice. But um, yeah, like 
I've been so kind of wearing a lot of hats and shits for so long. And even with Clandestine, I, I really, the, the inception of that group was for me to be the producer and DT to rap. Oh, interesting. But we just had so much fun. That's who writing. I, that's that's who, he's in BJC. That's, the, that's, that's who I said. My apologies to He's also in your group yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. I, we, we probably, I probably like put a check on his that's name because we mentioned clandestine. Right, right. But yeah, DT is uh, is definitely official, official, official. And yeah. that the Difference Machine is killing shit Dope. everywhere. They're touring. You know, they've been doing shit with, um, with um, Homeboy Sandman. Oh, nice. They, they did a tour with him. They did a tour with Dell. And um, oh, they cool. was at High Road Day. I was at High Road Day with Cunning Linguist this, this year. And Difference Machine performed this year. Oh, so you will DJ for them when they play as well? That was the first time I DJed. Oh, nice. That was cool. kind of like trying to just feel each other out before the yeah, tour. Gotcha. You know? cool. But, yeah, but, you know, um, Deacon is like, man, you and, you and Cunning Linguist. You and Cunning Linguist now, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, That's what's up? Yeah, it's 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 cool, man. There there's some real talented motherfuckers. I always knew they was dope. And you know how you kind of like be doing your own thing. And you don't always pay attention to people around you. Right. Like the motherfuckers is dope, man. Natty yeah. is one of the illest MCs I've ever fucking been on stage with and heard, and just his cadence and shit. And Deacon, he's a soulful motherfucker. Like he's from the church, and you know, No is a beast on beats as well. And, and I've actually had like. Not a crash course, because I was there. I remember when Seasons came out with Master Ace. I remember all right. that shit. And actually, one of the members who used to rock with them, uh, SOS, he was really good friends with a friend of mine, Zero Basement, who was an mm-hmm. MC from a group called Chapter 13. And him and DT used to be roommates. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I remember like them talking about certain albums and Piece of Strange when that came together. I remember right, right. all those. I remember it. You know what I mean? I was there. I was And I was at Georgia State DJing, too, for a while. Right. I was doing music direction there from like... 04 to 05 before I came to Cali. Okay, cool. So I was getting records and I was playing them. You know, I, I was just hit, but I was trying to get my foot in too. You know, I, I was kind of shutting out a lot of music that normally I would listen to just so I can have my own sound. Kind of, of course. Not, yeah. You know, subliminally just try to keep up with people and shit. Right, right. So yeah, I've always had to wear, I've always wore a lot of hats and had to split this duty. And that's the thing about Georgia State too. It was a great experience, but they really weren't very keen on you being a, a public figure. With okay. a radio show. Right. So I could never really, like, I had to always keep my government name on the air and shit like that. And really? Yeah, like, huh. it, it kind of put a wedge in my in, in my persona, you know what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. For, for at, a, at a crucial time, you know what I'm saying? Interesting, okay, so, yeah. So, you know, I was never really full-fledged, like, trying to be about Yamin. Now right. I am, you know right. what I mean? And, and I'm at a place now where a lot of my friends are either finding new things to do with themselves or... You know, quitting or whatever. And sure, that happens. Yeah, I mean, especially if you stick with this as your life and your career yeah. long enough, you'll see people fall by the wayside. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's or, just, or go or do something better. Yes, you absolutely. Get a job, or get a family, <laughs> yeah. or any number of things. Any, yeah, yeah. And, and sure, sure. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It, it, and now it's just like I still, I'm still on this shit. Right. You know what I'm saying. So I, I gotta go for mine. That's something me and DT talk about a lot. You know, because you know. We never had a problem with each other or nothing like that. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want it to sound like that. Sure. But I think we didn't know what to do next, and we was just like, "Fuck!" Like, all right, well, he's doing this difference machine thing. It's like a rock and roll fusion thing. And um, at the end of the day, when I see him as a front man of a group, I feel like it's a mission accomplished because that's what we. That's what I set out to do. I wanted him right. to be the MC. You know what I'm saying? So he, everybody got space to grow how they're supposed to grow. And I just think for a minute clandestine was just kind of like we couldn't come up with no good ideas <laughs> you know what I'm saying I think we was frustrated with 
our own growth personally. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? We was going through shit. My mom was going through crazy shit. My mom committed suicide in 2013. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's yeah, awful. Like, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm still unpacking. You know what yeah, I mean? Of I course. Think, I think I've I've been out of character in a few points in my life where normally I probably would have been more together. Right, right. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that, that fucked me for a while. And DT had some shit he was dealing with. That wasn't. You know, I ain't gonna, you know, categorize our traumas. Like, yeah. But you know, everybody yeah. goes through shit. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. And um, and I think we're both stronger as artists now. And I would love to work with him some more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and he, we talk all the time. That's my best friend. We kick it and don't even talk about music a lot of the time. Right. About us, we talk about music. But we but it sounds like music for you is like is pretty much an all-day thing. I mean, every day. Right? Everything. I don't do shit else, bro. Right. I was doing heating in the air for a while. I was at DeVry for a while. And I ran out of money, <laughs> but I was at the top of my class, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't get no scholarships. I was fucking like, I think, man, I've, I've tried to do a lot of other shit, and I do it well, but I just think whatever you want to call it, my, my fate or the most high doesn't want, the most high wants me right here right. in Park Slope at this moment. <laughs> right. You know, I'm going to leave here, I'm going to fuck with Pudge at the studio, nice. and I'm going to go back to fucking Europe in 2018, and, you know, I'm falling forward. You know what I mean? Like, it's dark as like hell that. in front of me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm definitely, like, yeah. it's working out. And, and the more I claim it, the, the like, that's a lot of things, too. Like, I know a lot of cats, they kind of, like, embarrassed to say they're hip-hop artists and shit. So, you know, they may they might just stop doing it because of that. They feel like they're getting too old or something. But I got more perspective now. I'd never go back to my 20s, dog. Oh, yeah. Never. Never. Yeah. Not even One knowing what I know now. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, the future is always brighter to me, man. So For sure. I'm yeah. um. I'm I'm in a, I'm in a good place with with everything. You know? So what's and then? Well, I like the sound of that. It sounds great, man. Well, and what, and this there's a brand new thing that just came out. The hotel, right? the hottie pee. <laughs> yeah, the hottie pee. Okay. I did that shit on purpose because even as I'm dressed right here, people yes. always like these on some boho shit. He a fucking <laughs> uh, he a incense lavender, you know, oil man or some shit. It's funny when I was when I when I was in high school, I got a superlative for like most. Uh, talented, okay. But there was another superlative that was like a uh, a joke going around town. That, that uh, not town, but around the school that they made it like a bunch of other categories for a bunch of people. Okay. So my category on like the the unofficial superlative was like most likely to sell incense and shit. Oh, <laughs> I had dreads and shit back right. then, so I'm used to being called a hotep. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know. For whatever reason, you know, people just throw that word out there. So but I was do like, "Do you embrace that? Are you like into like Egyptology and like?" Uh, I'm into a lot of shit. I, I'm into a lot of alternative history too, right. and okay. that just makes motherfuckers think you have a tinfoil hat on. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Especially if they have been taught one thing all their life. You know, sure. what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't really, I don't really. Um, I think my open mindedness is is often perceived as something else. Whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like. Um, you know, I'm a stranger in my own land. You know, for the most part, I've never been like typical Atlanta guy to a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was, you know, I was like, people always like, where are you from? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, my mom's from Queens. You know what I'm saying? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, my mom is from, she lived in Sunnyside. She lived in Westbury. Like, I even, you know, I'm with her brother right now staying up here. He day in Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And the first time I ever scratched a record was in Hempstead. So, was it? Yeah, my so cousin told me. Pretty much a New Yorker then. Yeah, I ain't gonna say it. I ain't gonna say it. But it's a, I, that's a piece of the puzzle. It's a though, big, right? it's a big piece. You know what I mean? So, and my mom hated me sounding like my friends. She hated mm-hmm. me with the drawl and shit. She wasn't having it. Oh, really? Like, okay. she was not having it. Like, she would, like, 
she would put hands on me. Really? <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. my mom, was, she's a sweetheart, man. Like, you know, back then especially. But, you know, she was not, she was like, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? And um, <laughs> how much time did you stay in North Carolina? Did you live there at all? Until I was four. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I actually lived with um, a friend of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, her name was Mary Clark. I called her mom. When my mom came to get me, I was crying my ass off. You know what wow. I'm saying? Like, I was like, mom. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. But um, And she passed away probably like seven years ago. Oh, wow. I saw her. Did you remain close over the years? Kind of. Like, I really wish we would have stayed closer. She had, a, um, she had heart surgery. She got a 19-year-old girl's heart. Wow. And she was in her 50s, and I thought, man, she's going to live forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it didn't take after like a year or two or something. Oh, no, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and my grandma told me that later. And I, but her daughter, Mary's daughter, lives in Georgia, in Dallas, Georgia. I have yet to see her, but I, I'll call her and check on her, man, every once in a while. Like, we, she probably, you know, we'd walk right by each other if we was in person. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, wow, interesting. Like, we, we, you know, she would never recognize me probably because I was real, you know, it's a baby. Yeah, yeah. But, um... That stuff really informs you later in life, you yeah, know, you know? Yeah. subliminally or subconsciously. No doubt, no doubt, man. Um, but yeah, dog, like, mm. where were we going with that? Oh, just the whole New York connection. Well, yeah, and I'm just trying to get a sense, because you sort of were, you know, made mention of sort of being like a stranger in your own, like, uh, yeah. city, I guess, if you will. Or, yeah, that's real shit. You I, know? Know. I remember. <laughs> I can dig it, but I mean, you know, that's got to come from somewhere, too. Yeah, it's definitely just my upbringing, man. And then, you know, I was the only child, you know, so I used to mm. always want my cousins around. You know, right. my big cousin was a DJ, and he lives in North Carolina now, but, like, you know, you... you it's, it was lame being at the house by my, with my mom, you know what I'm saying, as a kid. Yeah, you know, it was yeah, like, yeah. I was a latchkey kid. I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time by myself. We lived in the, in the fucking projects. And b- before, my mom, like, actually started, like, earning a lot. We moved away. But, you know, I spent a lot of time by myself. All I really had was music. And my, 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 I remember my uncle gave my mom a CD player, you know, when that shit was brand-ass new. Mm-hmm. And he fucked around and left All for One by Brand New being in the player. Wow. So I was reciting that shit. I was oh, reciting, like, like, 5% knowledge when I was, like, 7, not even knowing what the fuck I'm talking about. That's incredible. You know what I mean? Like, that was my... Bible, basically, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's such an amazing album, too, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. That's one of my favorite groups. I mean, I, yeah, I love Brand Nubian. And you can learn, I mean, especially when you're a child and you're very impressionable, there's mm-hmm. those lyrics, you can take a lot away from that stuff. You can learn a lot from yeah, that, you know. Yeah. Like, Lord Jamar, he's like, he's, you know, he's out there still, you know, the whole, yeah. the Vlad thing. I think I said yeah, yeah, one yeah. for all, I was off for one. But, um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine him being in my ear at, with no dad around. Sure, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I, had to, I learned a lot of shit through hip-hop, man, like, early, man. Like, just how to carry yourself and shit like that. But, of course, it's, it's, it's going to be like, it's like putting on your dad's suit when you're a little kid. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You got to, like, grow into the shit. Right. So, I, that's been me forever and that's kind of been my focus and I just was different than a lot of people around me because that, that's not what they was on you know right, what I mean right, right. so um, yeah so I'm, I'm embracing that shit now you know what I'm saying like I'm sure it was all for a reason you know yeah. what I'm saying like now I'm, it makes sense when you're a kid and it's growing pains and you're trying to fit in and you don't want to go to prom and shit it's different because right, right, right. you like man you know but <laughs> but now it's like I think I was like so like <clears throat> I guess innocent for lack of a better word 
motherfuckers really was giving me a lot of attention. Like, dudes would act like they didn't fuck with me, but they'd be checking out my Timberlands and shit. Right, they'd be, right. like, talking shit about my clothes, but, like, they really was like, where'd you get that? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, shit, there's little shit Maybe like that. Maybe a little low-key envious yeah. or something like that. Chicks, chicks want to know what's, what, what's sure. up with you. You're mysterious. You know right. Well, especially if you're, like, the, if you're, like, a younger guy in a sort of older scene, too, and, and, you're, and you're solo. That's right. And you're creative. I, I, I mean, that's something I can... I, I'm, experience that too because I started DJing and getting out there even though it was a small college town mm-hmm. um, you know and later too always been a little younger than the people that I worked with but yeah. being like a solo DJ guy that was opinionated with the taste and <laughs> style that you kind of figure out on your own mm-hmm. you know um, yeah I mean people they have they'll act a certain way to you and then especially when you're like you know 13, 14, 15 and yeah, shit. Perfect, you know? yeah. You know, yeah. I, and I lived two blocks from the school, so everybody knew there was a DJ in this in this in the neighborhood, right. you know what I'm saying? So I attracted some of the attention I didn't want, you know what right. I mean? And and um, you know, when I graduated high school, I got a NPC two thousand Excel. My mom actually got me one. Nice. And um that just took me I was I was really like in the crib then. I wasn't trying to do shit unless I was with X Row going to a club passing out records. I I have nothing to do with nobody my age, so there was times where we'd be at parties, house parties, and it's like, uh, once again, I, I never fit in. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like 17 at a house party with people like this motherfucker looks kind of young. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, or, but when I'm back at school, it's like this motherfucker don't talk like us, or he don't listen to the music we listen to. So I was always just kind of in a different space, you know, and always getting like different looks and shit. You know what right, I mean? Right. So it kind of made me self aware. Which was probably like something, you know, it's awkward. You you get used to it when you're older, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that can turn into some pretty amazing art, too. I think I think it helped out, you know. I think it helped out a lot because I was, I was always against the grain, you know right. what I mean? And I'm kind of still that way now, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I think back home, I've carved that niche for myself to where people, mm-hmm. when I was like, people write about me in a certain way just because I'm kind of like unabashedly like, I'm just doing me. Fuck what right, y'all right. doing. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? And like, the skin got thicker, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just, and being an only child, you know, you didn't really have no big brothers or nobody to look out. You had to fight. You had to do this. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, but my mom, she was always, like, making sure I was strong with whatever. You know, she taught me how to use condoms when I was, like, six years old. You wow. know what I'm saying? Like, shit like that. Because she knew she couldn't raise me. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. She was always going to be, I was always going to be latchkeying it. You know? I was always going to be... Uh, you know, she never gave me a curfew when I even when I was thirteen, wow. fourteen. Right. She was like, nah. And especially when I met X Row, she was like, I trust him. Y'all do what y'all do. You know what I mean? Just go to California. Fuck it. You know. Wow, what I mean? man. So you yeah. know, it's kind of been like it's been that way. I've been it's it's, it's been an adventure. <laughs> yeah. So what? Okay. So this record that just came, this thing oh, just yeah. came out. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Not in the end of September. I dropped it, and I just okay. put cassettes out. <clears throat> through my band camp I got cassettes for it and um, I decided on cassettes because I knew I was going overseas and I wanted to carry something smaller yeah for sure and um, so is it, is it going to lead because this is like an EP basically right it is leading so does that okay so yeah. um, I would love to hear about that before we wrap up yeah too, sure you know? um, yeah real quick um, so I was DJing for Sci High to Prince for a while okay yeah. and um, we had a show in DC the photographer who took shots that night he found out about me. I was just DJing, but he found out I rap. 
he's like, man, I think you would be, I think you'd sound good with my homeboy, Double O Schizo. Okay. But he didn't tell, at first he just sent me beats. I thought he made them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, these motherfuckers is crazy. He ended up doing the intro to Senior Dudes, my album. And then another song we got on there called Land of Passion. <clears throat> and um, then I was like, fuck, man, we got to work again. So Schizo was in Virginia. He's in Woodbridge. And, um, Woodbridge, where's that? In Northern Virginia? Yeah, it's close okay. to D.C. It's not right. far from D.C. at all. Not nice little suburb. So, um, you know, he started sending me beats. I'm like, man, all these beats are. He's the. He's like the. He's he's one of them niggas. He's like, like Madlib Dilla. Dope. Like, okay. Just you know, but he has his own style too, and he he's just real versatile, and he he has like he just got that 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 vibe to him. So, we cut a lot of songs. Like since last October, we probably did like 25, 30 Dope. songs. Okay. So I took five of them. Put them on the EP, and because um, I just wanted to have something to push, and somebody called me a hotep recently, so I just was like, you know what, fuck I'm calling this shit the hot EP, fuck y'all. <laughs> and then, um, but the album we were gonna actually do, it's called Phantom Feeling. Okay, <clears throat> and it's pretty much done, but he keeps sending me beats, man. So I'm gonna have to keep cutting joints. But the the concept of the album is, you know, Phantom Feeling being like if you lose a limb, yeah, you still feel the tingling sensation like say you lose your arm you can right. still feel your fingers tingling you yeah. know what I'm saying so the concept for that was like during my, that period of time I was dealing with loss of my mm-hmm. mom mm-hmm. a lot of friends I lost um, due to either death or just you know just time ran out yeah. for us as friends and um, I was like you know but you still gonna feel me sure you know what I'm saying yeah, you, you, you're gonna see me more if anything you know right. what I mean so it was like kind of like that. It was like a good album for only child. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can and, do that. So I was just kind of like, yeah, we we we're, we're separated. Uh, my mom's gone. I still I still feel her in my life. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, certain people I know I'm not fucking with or ain't fucking with me, but I know you still feel me because it's like impossible not to. You know, and vice right. versa. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So every concept is is every song is about me having my personal space, but there still being some type of ethereal connection more or less whether it's like the song on on the ep the last song called missing me which i'm about to put a video out for that's going to be on phantom feeling too and it's about a chick who stood me up for a date right and then she calls me up again like a year later which really happened and i'm just like so it's like you cut me off and that right. but you're still feeling me right, right so right, it, right. if you if you listen to all the lyrics they, it's all the same concept i got joints about you know my mom's death and reincarnation i got joints about people um me just wanting to be on it. I got a song where I'm writing about um, this dream I had where I was on a desert island. Um, favorite verse I probably ever wrote. The second verse, and uh, just shit like that, man. It's 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 just very. Uh, it's a it's that lonely album. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of the thing. But I, I think I pulled it off really well. And Schizo is a beast. Um, and with all my travels and shit, the touring and stuff, I, I ain't really been able to make beats how I want to make beats. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you, like, what, like, you know, because I initially, of course, knew you as a producer. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's interesting that now, as your career sort of evolves a little bit too, mm-hmm. that you're, you know, doing an album with that someone else is producing it. Yeah, so. and I, I feel like nobody could do it better than him. Dope. Like nobody, okay. nobody, like. I, I I couldn't pick nobody better. If I picked anybody else, it would be a political reason. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying. Nice. So uh, I fuck with him, man. His his work ethic is ridiculous. He reminds me of a monk. You know those monks who do like those real intricate sand uh, designs and then uh-huh. they just erase the shit. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Because cool. okay. all his beats are two track. 
Ah, interesting. He don't right. save shit. Like right. he don't save stems. And it's like nah. Like yeah, everything yeah, is yeah. what it was, and it's beautiful. Like like as it is. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Like we might. I'm me and my homie Rafik. Rafik and him grew up. They in a group together called Cult Fiction. The Cult Fiction. Okay. And me and Rafik be like, uh, kind of like plotting on him. Like man, we gonna we gonna get him into the new fucking millennium. We are gonna make make him start saving stems and shit. <laughs> yeah. But I don't even know if I want to touch it, man. Because this shit is just good how it is, man. It bangs. You know what I mean? He got the grit. He got some clean shit. He got the gritty shit. Do you think the album will come out by the spring or summer? I don't know. I don't know. I, um, so it's still like in the making right now. Yeah, yeah, I could put it out. But um, there's some people of influence who've been trying to get him on wax. Okay. And his personality, I don't think he's really like. Not that he don't care, but I don't think it's really like his main his motivation. He just loves gotcha. making music. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. As our relationship evolves, I think more opportunities will come. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cool. So that's all I can really like say about it. But well, I can't wait to hear that shit, man. Yeah, I got a um, an artist. His name is um. If you find him on Instagram, it's called Comic Engine Alex. Okay. He lives in Atlanta. All right. He has a whole comic line about a, a, a woman who has a missing arm, and he actually has crazy graphics. This based around phantom feelings. Oh, dope! I found him on happenstance. Like, I really, put, I put phantom feeling as a hashtag on one of my posts. Right. And out of curiosity, I clicked it, right. and I found him. He lives in Atlanta, man. So, like, certain shit is just coming together. You know, falling for you guys connected. Yeah, we, oh, we cool. met a couple Very times. Cool. Yeah, he, right. this was a pretty big art show in Atlanta not too long ago. A lot of booths, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of different artists selling their shit. And he had check him out. Yeah, yeah, I will. just check him out. He has like it's right up the alley of the project. So. I'm sure it's gonna be really dope. Whatever we come up with, dope, dope. And um, we 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 hit it off. He fucks with my music, and um, it, yeah. So great things should be coming around. Yeah, that's what's up. Well, one man, I appreciate you traveling as far as you did to get here today because uh, yeah. I know you came along. <laughs> it was a long journey just in New York. Yeah, no sweat, man. Yeah, no sweat. And Thank it you. was dope. It was really great to talk to you. Man. It was a great, yeah, it was a great uh, life story because we never really sat and truly had a conversation like this. Yeah, my first time. Man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, it goes so far back. And I, you know, I have such love for the VJC too. So it's great to get like your own like story too oh, so right right. Yeah, yeah so man. that's my inception and you've been there for a long time and yeah i've, I've watched you do awesome shit and i nice. just be like Thank damn you. man yeah uh, it's just you know people getting your life for the right reason you know what i'm saying and yeah it's just dope to be around people such as yourself man you oh thank you so much for i appreciate really. that and thank you for your time too, thanks man. thank you brother. all right good looking out man no Hey, that was my conversation with Yamin. Shout out to him. Thank you guys so much for your time. Make sure you check out that EP, the Hot EP, or the Hotep, however you choose to do it. Go back and listen to Strange Arrangement by the VJCs. Shout out to all of them. Please subscribe on iTunes. If you're on SoundCloud, repost it if you have an account. I'm at Twitter. Follow me at, at HouselessPod. Every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. Thank you guys again for so much for listening. Please spread the word however you might. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. I'm going to play one more joint off this brand new EP. Just because it's fresh and new. I wanted to splash both of these out. There's a lot of great records that go back uh, uh, in his catalog. So please take some time and check it out. The clandestine stuff is great. Especially if you are just learning about his career and his music and his production and and songs from this episode. All right, y'all. Thanks again so much, and I'll catch you next time. Peace.
first afternoon of the new moon Never comes too fast, never too soon I came to spread some love around like the susu So it might be something that you probably weren't used to Uh-huh, one time for my farm folks The homie throws the gold flakes in the compost uh, The hay in the middle of the barn's dope Fronto and cilantro, the combo Yeah, out in my pocket Smells like the tropics Got the gas I can feel the rocket Loud in my pocket Smells like the tropics Got gas I can feel the rocket my reflection is all smoke and mirrors But nothing like an effect from a phony motion picture I'm holy rolling like I'm quoting scripture Hold your liquor, homie, cause what I'm holding would make that a potent mixture And if you take the shots, I ain't about to post for pictures Y'all just paparazzi, popping shit like a colon blister While I'm blowing concentric ups on the sofa with a golden soul sister Backstage before the show with them Hey kid, walk straight faster, you high. If the bag you supply is some swag, it's denied Dumping ash out the ride from the passenger side Feeling like Sammy Davis with his glass in my eye, yeah yeah, I'm Dr. Frankenstein with the blunt roaches I can turn them to a mummy like Tutmosis But this joint's so big it's about to bust open I can't front, man, I love smoking yeah, That's why I keep that loud in my pocket Smells like the tropics I got 